0: This episode of Strange Assembly is brought to you by www.l5rsearch.com. L5rsearch.com is a comprehensive online L5R card database with tools to assist in optimizing your decks, proxy and cards, or simply finding out about unusual cards. Once you know what you need, www.l5rshop.com puts cards in your hands quickly and economically. This is Strange Assembly, episode 133, Kill the Head and the Body Will Die. Randy, that is almost the most pretentious title we'd ever have. Can't I just call this Slavin' Away or something like that?
1: Oh, no, no, no name puns, please. No, actually, uh, I I know you occasionally pay attention to football mans, uh, to North American football. And I believe that's what the defensive coordinator of the Saints was telling his players, like, you know... Go
0: Go out out and and injure Brett Favre?
1: Yeah, yeah, kill the head and the body will die, which is, it's it's a takeoff of kill the body and the head will die, right? Which is a boxing, it's like a throwback to boxing. But enough of that. Yes. Um, I'm glad that counts as pretentious. Uh.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that there was the one where I had about a 15-word-long title that was a quote from Zeppelin Ramble On, because we did an even larger amount of that than usual in the episode. But that is Randy Slavin. I am Chris Stevenson. You're listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can subscribe to Strange Assembly on iTunes or visit us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. I'd say you can check us out at facebook.com strangeassembly, but my understanding is that Facebook doesn't really put page posts on your newsfeed anymore unless they're paying. Certainly, they keep sending me emails suggesting that I should pay them so that people can see my Facebook updates more, which is really never going to happen.
1: Keep it classy, Facebook. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that I think telling Facebook to keep it classy is an exercise in futility.
1: There shouldn't be too much rambling. I've got an outline.
0: Uh, I don't know. I my ability to ramble can, can has defeated many of an outline, although those were mostly my own outlines. So Brandy here won the Atlanta Cote that your usual strange assembly guys ran a couple of weeks ago. And so we are here today to talk about Legend of the five rings. And, kill the head and the body will die was apparently the actual name of Randy's tournament winning deck. What did I call it? Something like, I don't like numbers anymore?
1: Or like, something about moving that was just such a, I, I, yeah. I, it literally has rendered me, uh, incapable of speech. <laughs> I was pretty incensed about it, but, that's. A- Well, Um,
0: if you had told me in advance what the deck's name was, I could have put it up, but you know.
1: Yeah, no, I think I would have probably suggested something like, please buy all these cards at www.l5rsearch.com.
0: Well, well, there's certainly nothing wrong with that, now that there are actually cards available to buy.
1: Very true, very true. Or alternately, print these proxies conveniently. At www.l5rsearch.com, which is uh, what I did, actually.
0: Yes, uh, yes. Your The Atlanta Coté winning deck was made of L5R Search proxies.
1: Uh, it wasn't as many as it was the week or two prior. Um, I, I luckily was able to procure some, some Ivory Edition cards, but um, definitely. I As you know, I proxy the heck out of some cards.
0: Yes, I, I think that's about the only advantage, I, I feel like... Uh, well, not that's not the only advantage. That's one of the advantages of, of a digital CCG. There's a lot of disadvantages, like not actually getting to hang out with people. But you can at least have 7,000 different decks together with your <laughs> one stack of cards. Yeah. No. that in the proxy anything? Okay, but the Atlanta Cote everybody already heard Jay and Mike and I blather about it so why don't uh, you talk about your Atlanta Cote experience
1: Sure thing um, so much like you guys although probably less um, I was sad that the attendance was down um, I thought I think you guys historically have run like very tight ships like very solid Cote and I don't I don't want to speculate why attendance would necessarily be down but it was. I think that the people that were there were absolutely fantastic. There was a group of people that were, like, loaning out cards beforehand. I know that I borrowed a card from Donnie and loaned a card to Rich Bowers Dean. And so that's, like, three-fourths of the top four there that are sharing cards. And then I, you know, I just saw people like, oh, what card do you need for your deck? Oh, like, hooking up newbies. And it was, it was just a nice atmosphere. I thought it was... Um, I thought that was really, really fantastic. I mean, I think it's one of the things that uh, is really strong about the L5R community. I can loan someone a 15 $20 card and be pretty darn sure that I'm going to get it back at the end of the event, you know? I wanted to give you props for, I think, the second time ever I've won a prize for an L5R event that my girlfriend's been impressed with. (laughs) She very much liked the beer, which we actually just finished off last night, I believe. Yeah, I think I think that's those are my main thoughts about the the Cote that um, that you guys perhaps didn't go over. I thought the prize support was excellent. Um, I think everybody had a good time. <laughs> um, it might seem like Crane Apocalypse or whatever we're gonna call it, but I think overall the field was pretty solid. I and mean, I think I played a lot of good games against a lot of decks. Um, I had a lot of really close, really good games.
0: Yeah, I I do like the fact. Let me know if you agree. At least, okay, Crane are clearly doing, I think, way better than you and want any faction to be doing right now. But oh, yeah. it's not a deck that's dominating in a way that makes you absolutely miserable to be playing against them. You're actually still playing a fun game of L five R. You lose more than you really want to, but at least you're playing a fun game of L five R in the process.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually came into this Kote and this is a little bit of a humble brag, so I apologize, but I came into this Cote, aside from the playtest games that I played, really having played like ten, actually even less, like fewer games, probably eight games of Ivory Edition against other humans. And so I hadn't seen Crane Scouts at all, and I was just really, this makes me sound like a bad player, but I was really skeptical as to how they would actually be able to seal the deal. And I realized that I'm that I was viewing things through the lens of basically the lion deck that I used, which which at the end of the day wound up being pretty darn solid against Crane. It establishes control before they can really, or it establishes control of the board before they can really start letting their economy go to town. I guess I don't know before they can really get as much mileage out of their sensei as they would like.
0: Yes, yes, going first helps among other things.
1: It's a crutch. It is a terrible crutch that I am. Unfortunately, rather addicted to.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of funny. When I'm sitting here, so like, so let's say I usually play Dragon. That's five, which is in the top half still, and yet I, I mean, it's, it's still always focusing tired of going second to the people I go second to.
1: Yeah, I played. I actually played a lot of Dragon, and this is reminiscing that we should probably avoid. But I played a lot of Dragon at a Shiro Kitsuki. That was a fun box. But yeah, no, I'm so used to going first now, and I think it's just such a strong answer for so many potential problems, you know what I mean? Like, getting that extra jump on those six honor clans is huge. Especially when those six honor clans really crane are, are are just that strong.
0: Yes, yeah. So do you, uh, do you join in my assessment or not that they... Sounds like you do, but maybe it's just a lion thing that they have not actually evened out the going first versus going second thing yet?
1: I think that that is a pretty fair assessment. I think that this is a good um, attempt. I think there's some successes and some failures, right? Just with anything. And actually, probably the word failure is a little bit too strong. But you can look at the spider box, which I think is pretty interesting, um, in the way that it compensates its players for going second. Obviously, that doesn't really help him against Honor or Dishonor, but it's certainly pretty decent. Um, I think... uh, What what does Scorpion get, again?
0: They lower your hand size by one? They lower your your hand size by one, and they get an extra province strength? Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah, by and large, I think I would say that I still vastly would prefer to go first... And play one of the clans that does go first, then to not go first. But that's that's definitely a personal bias. But no, I, I think that there is still some more work to do as far as going first is concerned.
0: Yeah, I think it's often easiest to think about because right, if if you're going between two different clans, it's you can't just just simply say, oh well, crane is better than crab, therefore going first is better than going second, right? Because you're comparing two different, completely different sets of cards, but I think when you look at within the clan or the mirror match, uh, for example, if I'm if I'm playing your lion deck and I'm sitting down against another lion deck, or if I'm playing really if I'm playing any lion deck and (laughs) I'm sitting down against another lion deck, I desperately want to win that die roll. Ah, yes. And and if I desperately want to win the die roll against these two decks that are otherwise identical, that to me says that clearly not enough coming in for going second.
1: I realize anecdotes aren't evidence, but the only game of the entire day that I went second, I lost. And it was my only loss the entire day.
0: By itself, it's an anecdote. Those things add up. There's actually somebody who is going through and for all of the matches in the elimination rounds that are reported and keeping track of how many times the player who goes first wins... Oh. And it's like 2 to 1 right now, I think. Now that's not necessarily dispositive. I if you break that down, is that if it's Crane versus something else, so is how much of that is that Crane is really good and they've been and they tend to win more and they tend to go first, but I think even when you look within the Crane versus Crane matchups, which there are plenty of in the elim rounds these days.
1: That there are Yeah, I watched I watched some of the to briefly talk about another Cote, hey, I watched some of the uh, Sarasota Cote, and I was like crane versus crane. Oh, look, another crane versus crane.
0: Yeah, and that was uh, right. The Sixth Ring guys were streaming that on Twitch TV.
1: Yeah, they did a great job, and I always enjoy uh, watching <laughs> watching dudes flip cardboard. It's strange, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's um, it was a lot of fun.
0: E- ESPN2 isn't showing magic anymore, maybe you can get them to show L5R. Start a change.org position, petition. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I love L5R, but um, like, if magic is a hard sell, L5R is like, okay, okay. So we got a game that's even more <laughs> niche than this other game. Yeah, I,
0: I think it, it is easy for people who are within L5R to forget sometimes about how relatively speaking small it is on the forums there's always something coming up with like why isn't there an L5R conversion of civilization or why or an MMO people are always saying well, uh, how how could there not be an, an L5R MMO it's like do you know how much how much money it costs to make an MMO and how much you just be burning it
1: especially seeing these giant money pits these days but we we're we're, get, we're getting we're getting off topic <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let me ask you, if I recall correctly, in your Elims, you went through three completely different Crane decks. Is that correct, in, at the Atlanta Cote? Two of them
1: were Scouts. Okay. They were both very different Scout decks, at least, at least as far as I'm concerned. I played Anthony Padrone in the top eight Crane Scouts. There's a lot of movement. He saw a lot of Conqueror personalities. If I'm remembering right, he was using a lot of items and the guy that I play and I crap. I can't remember. I think I do not think he was running Soken. I think Will Gentry, the guy that I played in the top four, also crane scouts. I think he was using Soken and I think he was using followers. And I actually think that Anthony based on what I saw on on Twitch on sixth ring. Had, had swapped his deck out and, and started using more followers, but I, I could be wrong. But at the end of the day, they were both very good Crane Scout decks run by very good players, and I managed... The first game I played against Anthony, I kind of pulled from the Jaws of Defeat and managed to luck out and kill off his... what What is that annoying snake?
0: The Shrakash.
1: Is what I said, and I killed the annoying snake, and that was a lot of the game right there. Um,
0: yes, I, I remember that. Well, that was a an impressive what he had uh, defended with Kinta, and then I used you swapped Kinta out for the Shikash with unexpected movement, and then like he ended up trying to run the Shikash away, and you're like, no, 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 stay here. I am going to crush you in battle resolution. Is that the game yeah. I'm remembering?
1: Yeah, there was, you know what, actually, my memory is not my strong suit. It feels like something like that would have happened, or like he would have then moved Kenta in, and I was like, no, Kenta goes home. And in any game I won against Crane Scouts, the reason that I won it was because I went first, and because I had more movement in battle than they did. I was able to move the personalities away that I wanted to stay away. Like, there was a Kinta in one game, in in one game against Anthony, I stole a Justice of the Crane with Unexpected Gathering, or Unsettling. Unsettling, yeah. Yeah, I I also don't know cards or rules, for the record.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Who needs to know those things to win Kote? I mean, you saw saw me
1: asking rules questions, like, I don't know how this game works, I can't keep up with all these rules.
0: Well, hey, the comprehensive rules for Ivory Edition are finally up now.
1: So um, I stole Justice the Crane and put it on Morito Inouye, who had the clan armor. And so he's this nine-force cavalry unit out of Lion. And I was using that to, like, maraud his provinces. And so he kind of has to defend, but he can't can't totally defend. He was in a weird position. Like, I was able to use my movement to kind of psych him out. And I see that he has Kinta, who's got a range four. And then he has a follower with a range three. And so I'm like, I can do math here. If he's trying to defend against me, it's because he has an unholy strike in his hand. And I do, <laughs> I do not run turtle shell, which I was fine with all day. So I managed to defend at a province that his guy is in. He moves in, I send him home, I take the province. And then I think from there, he only had one province left. And so I'm able to you know swing with all my guys and crush him. But before then, we were in kind of like a weird... Not like an arms race, but that that goofy point in L5R in which you kind of just, like, stand looking at each other and, like, don't do anything, so. But no, no, my games there were very, very good with both Anthony and Will Gentry. So, in the finals, uh, I was playing Rich Bowers Dean, who is an Atlanta local, and he was playing Crane Honor, Noakagi-sensei. And actually, if you would ask me what I thought was going to be strong, like what I was worried about facing with, with my Lion deck, I think probably my number one answer before I heard what the internet thought or what I heard what other people thought would have been Crane Honor. And, and actually Dishonor as well. Um, and so I used a lot of meta cards to try and get around more or less Honor and Dishonor's tricks and, and what they can do to defend. And against Rich, I mean, he's a he's really good player. I know that he's playing a very... It it was simultaneously very speedy and very defensive crane deck. I mean, it was very lethal, especially given how not lethal a lot of ivory can be if you're not using ranged attacks. And actually, the card that um, I loaned him in the very beginning of the tournament was a Thoughtless Sacrifice, which turns out to be a pretty good card. It, it does, it does. It is an amazingly good card. And so I know that early game I need to defend against come one at a time, and late game I need to defend against encircled terrain. And so for me, I know that if I attack too early and he thoughtless sacrifices one of my guys, or if he's able to, especially thoughtless sacrifice, because that removes his presence too, but um, if he's able to stop me early game and kill my personalities, that that's probably going to be game. And so I del- if, if I remember right, the first time we played, I delayed until the fifth turn to attack. And it's kind of a gutsy decision and he was able to honor at- or he was able to hit 40 honor over 40. And I knew that I had probably he has he has 15 to 24 on the table and two provinces. And so I had to split my guys evenly, and I managed somehow to take both of those provinces. And I, I believe I said during that game, I was like, I think he has this, because I thought he had it. But
0: was, that, was it that game or the next game where you had said something like, if you show me an honor, a, a card where you can gain two honor when I attack you, at this turn I'll just Concede right now? That was the game, yeah. Okay, was, and, he, and he didn't have it then, and then you ended up winning the game.
1: He had, according to him, he had... I think it was whatever the the card lets you retreat your personality.
0: Discretionary valor.
1: Yeah, he had one of those. And so what I knew was this: when I when I said that, he had three provinces and thirty-eight honor. <laughs> and that is a bad position usually to be in as a for me as a military deck. And so I knew he he had whatever the um, shigamitsu, the crane that when you bow him, he targets two of your provinces and says, if you attack those provinces, I gain two honor. And so I know my options are either take all three provinces, which is not happening, or take one province that turn. And so I was like, okay, I know I have to take one province this turn. So obviously, if he has two honor in his hand, that's it. That's game. I can't stop it. He had at least three personalities, right? So I know that if he can play two actions, which he could, that would be game. Um, And so he wasn't able to do that. And so I take one province on the turn that he's at 38. He goes significantly above 40 on his turn. And then I take the two provinces following that. The thing that I think is a little crazy right now about Lion is Matsumira, the naval guy. <laughs> like If he were just naval and three personal honor at six gold, he would be worthy of strong consideration. He is just so so good against defensive decks. Like, he's good against anyone, because he's a very solid personality. But um, Naval on Lion is hideous. It's just brutal. The second game we played, I got a great gold start. Pretty early on, I have the clan champion out, and Amira. Rich can't really stop me, and so he stands out of the way, and then he stands out of the way of the next province, and... I can't remember if he had one province or two left when he crosses. I think he only had one, but he he wasn't able to get into his encircled, and I just ran over his last province.
0: Yeah, well, I remember uh, a couple. Yeah, the, those games were were kind of interesting in that. Yeah, you in the first game that you won, you looked completely out of it. Yeah, when he was at three provinces and thirty-eight. Yeah. And you're, I we mean, were watching that. You're like, this is done i what is going on here and then in that that last game rich got a bad gold start he only got to buy one two gold holding turn one Mm -hmm. and i thought that you were probably just going to run him over and he actually managed to make a real game out of it but i i remember there was there was clearly some uh wheels turning in your head if i if i remember correctly for that last battle it was sort of like, you knew that the one way that he... I think that the one way he could realistically win at that point was to make an encircled stick. Mm-hmm. And so you had Dairuko and you did not assign her so that you could force him to go through all of his battle actions when Dairuku was not around to be affected by them, and then waited until he played the encircled, and then... And he played the encircled and then, and had drained his hand and then you brought her in when all he could do, and he was still, I think he was still only one, he might have only been one card away because you brought her in and then he moved her back and then you brought her in again. And if like he had had something else to move her away, you would have been done because you had a back to the front left in your hand, but you could not have used that on her or something like that. Maybe.
1: I, no, I, I, that's a pretty good approximation of it. I know that I was keeping Dairuko at home because I did not want her getting duelled. I did not want her getting um, Thalas sacrificed. Um, if I remember correctly, I had a ring of water in my hands. Yes, and I think I had a uh, sudden movement in my hand. So, and did I have a terrain in my hand that game? I can't. I can't.
0: You probably did because I think you had had Uohara out, and then
1: and, yeah, and Uohara is brutal for defensive decks. He is just game changing.
0: Yeah, there there are definitely enough good terrains now, and absolutely incredibly vital terrains for defensive decks mm-hmm. that I feel like pretty much every deck is playing with at least a couple of terrains just to go against another one. Yeah, and then Uohara just lets you reuse them.
1: Oh, yeah. Blanket force penalties are pretty gross against Lion, and I think they're actually a pretty decent strategy, um, depending on what card we're talking about. But, yeah, being able to either dish out blanket force, excuse me, force uh, bonuses to my guys through contentious, or getting rid of the of like two of the three cards I'm really worried about. Cards on defense that I'm really worried about are encircled terrain, come one at a time, fall of sacrifice. Pretty much anything else, I'm like, all right, sure, you shoot one of my guys, whatever. Like, what I really don't want is them to be able to remove their presence from a battle. If they're a defensive deck, if they are a dishonor deck, I want to be able to run their guy over and rehonor my guys. If they're a And actually, if they're either, I want to be able to use my stronghold. I want to be able to use my incredibly slow, telegraphed, potentially disastrous sensei. Not disastrous, but potentially (laughs) annoying sensei. Because, like, during the Kote, there was definitely a game where I targeted my guy, and they were able to bail out, and I didn't think they were. And I go, well, looks like I'm not buying him. We're taking the province, and instead we'll pay two more gold for the, the, uh, you know, having done that. But really with Lion, part of the reason why I'm running the Harpoon suite that I am is because you absolutely want to be opposed. So, and, and really one of the stronger strategies for the defensive decks is to not provide opposition. To scamper away after playing, you know, one of the bailout cards, or to play a terrain and then, and then scamper away, or... Uh, an action like Thala's Sacrifice that gets rid of their personality. So. But what would work now? Would Would you like me to go over the general concept of the line deck that I was playing? or
0: Whatever you feel like saying about the deck, or the Kote, or... Yeah, sure. What, uh, how, I mean, is there anything you would change about it if you were playing again? I mean, obviously it won, so I'm guessing you're not going to change a ton. <laughs>
1: you know... I expected Ikoma Yoshimoko, like, if I were to make changes, I expected Ikoma Yoshimoko to be a little bit better. She's a three-force personality for five gold, and she has a battle fear two, or fear three, if I control a terrain. I really like fear threes, but for whatever reason, I was just, like, never excited to see her. And I think I think I would probably put another Matsu Ryohei in her place who comes into battle as a reserve, which is really, really nice. I don't have to tele- I don't have to use my gold cost increasing sensei and then bring him into play. But Ryohei draws me a card. Um, he has three personal honor for the one of the most valuable cards in the deck, which is Soul Sacrifice, which we haven't really talked about yet, but is a card that whenever I'm looking at Ivory I'm thinking, how can I get this card into my deck?
0: It, yeah, it's, it's way better than any of the other send home as long as mm-hmm. you've got the three personal honor guys because it actually works on offense and defense. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And has no restrictions uh, as long as you've got your three personal honor guy, which is obviously not. Well, I guess if you're running an all the coma scout suites, you could potentially have a lack of those guys in the lion deck, but, but usually you've got plenty of threes.
1: So my feelings about ivory is that most um, keyword-specific cards, cards that require scouts, cards that require kensai, cards that require whatever, are are pretty bad by and large. They are not cards that I really want to use. So so yeah, for me it's like I'm playing a deck that's as many strong personalities um, with strong battle actions as I can run, and I don't really care about anything other than their force, their battle action, and their personal honor. And the only reason I care about the personal honor is for Soul Sacrifice. From, I guess, Anne Sparrow Clan aid.
0: And your stronghold?
1: Oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> See, I forget to use it. I know the lion forms and lion players have been complaining about it, but it's it's not bad. <laughs> Going first is never a bad ability.
0: (laughs) It's really not. Yeah, but yeah, you said the the fear twos, it it's not that there are never targets for fear twos, right? There are two force followers around. If your opponent is playing an honor or a dishonor deck, they're gonna have some courtiers and such that are in the two force or less range. But it's it's also very easy to go an entire game with no target for a fear two, or your only target is dude who I force-jabbed and who already used his ability, so why do I care to fear him anyway? Whereas Fear 3 almost always has some personality that you can just bow with it.
1: Yeah. Um, Matsu, a guy who is the 2-force, 4-gold personality um, who has a Battle Fear 3. There were a number of people who did not like him very much on the Lion forums, and I was just going like really like i feel like that personality even at five gold would be playable out of
0: almost any clan i disagree at five gold yeah five gold for two force well the the problem is that you you still have to be able to build up a threatening force right and at two now, I mean, and obviously two has its vulnerabilities, right? You can get just shot down by an unholy strike. You can actually get bowed by that random fear two that's, that's otherwise free uh, shoved on, on some guy. T- two force on somebody you have to pay four for is, is not great. Two force on somebody who costs five is, is pretty ugly. I mean, not, he doesn't cost five. He only costs four, but I, I don't think he would be playable if he, if he okay. cost five.
1: What what if he costs like four point five?
0: Well, um it you turns know. out that uh they don't do fractional costs yes. in, in L five R. Oh
1: god, edit the sound. Spoiler.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess theoretically there isn't anything in the rules that would prevent you from doing that. I mean, you can put a 4.5 in a thing. We've got gold pooling now. So if you have a guy who's 4.5 and a guy who's 3.5 and you got eight gold, you can buy them both. I
1: created a monster.
0: I think that the chances of them doing that are probably about the same as the chances of Reese having multiple strokes or something. Because that would be the only reason why you would end up with a fractional cost. I guess you could have a joke. What was that yeah. uh, the brainy? Was it Brainiac? Yeah, in the Star Wars CCG. <laughs> that was an awesome card. Yeah, was his? What, what was his destiny value like? Pi, and then it was a bunch of equations for the other stats. Or I think his.
1: Yeah, we're really getting off track now. His force, like I remember downloading a program that would calculate it for you.
0: Good times. Yes, his, his, his fate, right? It's, no, destiny. It's destiny in Star Wars. His destiny value is pi. Let's see. His, his deploy cost is equal to the number of cards in the light side hand. His forfeit value is equal to the number of cards in the dark side player's hand. His power was equal to the square root of three times X minus Y, where X is dark side hand cards and Y is light side hand cards, plus two times A minus B, where A is the total number of dark side icons in play, and B is the total number of light side icons in play, plus pi. (laughs) And then it then proceeded to note that pi equals 3.1415926538, blah, 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 blah. It's got about 20 digits of pi in there. (laughs) So, there's your uh, card of the day for the Star Wars CCG, ladies and gentlemen. You're welcome. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) and and so um
1: we're talking about lion though. let me think like overall the deck is about like trying to move personalities out of battle that it doesn't want out of the battle or doesn't want in the battle and then pulling personalities in that it wants to kill i'm like mortally afraid of kachiko
0: as well you should be
1: She just is mean to Lion. She's like, oh, I'm sorry, Lion. Did you want to attack and take a province before turn eight? And so, originally the harpoon was there to try and kill her. Or, you know, other very, very strong, unique personalities that don't need to see battle, like the crane champion, or um, doji um, beaver. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. Or the crane that gives people extra honor for proclaiming. Um, Which guys both- one? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, seeing as the only two that do it are the magistrate who fought a snake and died, or the clan champion, it's the magistrate who fought a snake and died.
0: <laughs> that's that's uh, hakaseki Experience 3. Yes. <laughs>
1: this is how I remember cards. like you. <laughs> like-
0: Uh, (laughs) But not the same snake as you killed. (laughs) Different snake.
1: Different snake. So yes, basically there's not that many resistance cards, or I guess the key resistance card that I'm not using is Turtle Shell, which is really, really
0: popular. That seems reasonable. I I seem to recall you mentioning earlier that other than ranged attacks, there's not a lot of killing people in in Ivory.
1: Quite true, quite true. The only reason I would really consider playing it is for the tempo advantage, because there's not a lot of ways to, like, oh, look, I take two actions at once, or, like, I totally negate your action. And so that part of it's really, really strong. But another concept of the deck is just that there's such threat diversity. Really, when I'm in a battle and I'm fighting with somebody, all of my guys can do something, usually. And all of my attachments can do something, usually and then almost all of the cards in my hand can do something usually and so i don't care if they kill my people as long as i wind up running their army over like that's usually how i feel and against honor decks or dishonor decks dishonor decks aren't really shooting me with ranged attacks very often and mm. honor decks like eh, i'm just not i'm just not as worried i guess so um, i mean i still understand why a lot of other people run it but it's just like Oh, you're gonna kill my six gold guy? Like, I don't know. And actually, I think I would probably run Frontier Farmer instead. I really like Frontier Farmer, or to I guess a, a much lesser extent for this for the Lion deck, Enslaved Jin.
0: Yeah, that's definitely been around in the the Crane decks. I have to say, yeah, there's I've seen quite a bit of you know, Elite Archers, Ashigaru Spearman, and Spearman. I don't Spearman. I mean, Spearman, yeah. that, was, uh, that was a long-term classic, there since the beginning, complete junk card. Like, oh, newbies might think this is good, but no real player would ever use with it. And now, who knew?
1: Yeah, no, now it is a hot card. One thing that I look for when I'm looking at clans that I would be interested in playing is how many force penalties are there printed on their personalities. Um, Lion have a good number. So do Unicorn, actually, and those are really, really nice, because it, it, it really it really pulls a lot of people down into the range where something like Spearman can go ahead and gank somebody, and I'm going to take that trade almost any day of the
0: week. Yamoto yeah, Akano for the Unicorn is money. 3.4s for 5, force jab. Yeah. You've, you've also got Moto Paiko, but I, I like Force Jabs much less when I have to discard ki- cards for them. I'm sorry, Paikau, however you pronounce his name. I like uh, I like my Force Jabs much less when I have to discard a card for them.
1: And then they also have Shinjo Yoshie. Uh, Yoshi, however you say your name. The destined fallen that hands out a three-force penalty. Yes. Who's pretty good. I mean... If you look at how bad most of the personalities that have fallen printed on them are, she is awesome. But yeah, overall, I think that's most of the concepts about the Lion deck. I should get a plug-in for my article on gold schemes, which helped in the building of this deck, actually. It was very nice to be able to model out my golds. One of the last cards that I wound up adding, though, was a holding that doesn't produce golds early. Bamboo Harvester's XP, which is
0: amazing.
1: Like, holy amazing. That card's awesome.
0: Yes, yes, but definitely yeah. it, it says something about producing gold on there, but it's lying. <laughs> yeah. It's a three gold event <laughs> that it is, draws you cards for the rest of the game.
1: <laughs> it is really, really good. It definitely won me one of my games. Like, single-handedly MVP probably drew me six, seven cards against Anthony Padron whose name I really hope I'm getting right, pronouncing
0: right. But yeah, I think I was
1: running 18 holdings, um, and then the... No, I'm running 19 holdings.
0: Yeah, 18 seems like a pretty healthy number. It Um, is.
1: It's a lot of the deck, but you thin through the deck with the Famous Bazaars, you thin through the deck with Jade Pearl Inns. I only had one game where I did not see the gold, really, that I wanted to see, and that was against uh, Donnie who went first against me with a Blitz deck. And so he was going to probably beat me anyway, but like me not seeing gold just made that game hilarious. It was done in like six minutes. It was bad.
0: The article that you're talking about is called, it's on strangeassembly.com, it's called XL Simulations in Ivory, and it went up on February 21st. If anybody listening wants to go check that out, so...
1: Definitely, and I, I encourage you to do so. And, and if you post a comment on that article, I'm happy to run your deck's gold setup through my simulator, unless you're in a stronghold that produces five gold, because I haven't done that yet. <laughs> um, but if, if you're Lion or anyone that is in unicorn, I'm happy to run it through and kind of show you what your gold curve is. I think uh, one of the mistakes that I expect a lot of people to make early in Ivory was to not run enough holdings and I know I saw a ton of people lose games as a result of not having enough holdings in their deck because you have to get a good holding set up early game. It's more important to get good holdings early game than it is to get flooded by gold late game I think I would say if you have to pick one.
0: yes for the most part yeah if you just if you don't get your holdings and turn one especially and then also turn two, for most decks, that's, you've just reduced your win percentage to like 5% or 10%. I mean, you're just yeah. posed. Yeah. Not, not always, but really ugly. Let's see. So, okay. Let's not get into cranes yet for a second. Do you have any thoughts on, on those non-lion clans? For example, I, I know that you do not want us to get through this episode without talking about weapons, right?
1: Yes, yes. Actually, there aren't really many weapons that I'm very excited about, because I think most of them are bad. I do really like the Crane
0: one. Justice of the Crane.
1: Thanks, yes, the Justice of the Crane. I really like that as a meta card. I think it's very, very strong against Honor. If it were somehow able to re-honor your personalities, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to run this card instead of the other meta that I'm using against Honor and Dishonor. I actually really like Dragon, but um, I think I like Dragon... I mean, when I say I like them, I don't mean that I think they're they're super-duper top-tier, although I think they've had some decent success, but um, I think the foundations are there. Um, And I think, since obviously I'm obsessed with moving personalities in and out of battle... I think Ring of Earth, like, being able to start with Ring of Earth, I'm like, yes, yes. Um, but shoehorned into dueling, I'm like, no, no.
0: Well, you don't have to do dueling, but with the, I was actually joking about the weapons thing, because I know you had been making fun of me for apparently having <laughs> mentioned it in every single episode. Uh, here's a question, and I I don't really have an answer to this, because I, I, I keep meaning to sit down and, and give some thought to it, like, very quietly. Crab has been atrocious so far. Most of the complaining about my faction has been bad has been Phoenix or the spider stuff with Purge of Fudoism. I think the uh, far and away the worst performing clan has been Crab. Mantis also has not been doing great. Phoenix has been doing better, but I think that's partially because anybody who's not Donnie is just kind of giving up. Having
1: Donnie on your team is, is a pretty good it's a pretty good
0: setup. It's, it's pretty good help. But I mean have you given any thought like what is wrong with Crab? What happened to them?
1: Um I think they've had some bad luck. I think that if you look Robin did pretty well in, in Sarasota. He was like
0: third after Swiss, am I remembering that right? I know he made the top eight, I don't remember what he was after Swiss.
1: He made it yeah, he made it into the um cut and he made it through a little bit. I don't really know what to say about Crab. I think I feel like a lot of the clans have very good foundations but they don't necessarily have like a cohesive whole and it's just hard to do with the amount of cards that, that you have. Like, In fact, I think I would go so far as to say the only clan where I can sit down and feel like I'm excited about every single personality that I'm putting into my deck is
0: Lion. Well, that's probably good
1: Yeah, I'm a lion homer, like, don't get me wrong, I guess, even though I don't have a ton of loyalty, but with, even with the crane, like, you look at a lot of the personalities those decks are running, and they're bad. They're not good personalities. They're not the kind of personalities you want to have to run. And I think, I think with, with crab, I, I, I am a little baffled that they've been doing as poorly as they have. I really like Toranosuke. The guy that, like, moves people around. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. And he's also three personal honor. He is definitely in my I-want-to-run-this-guy-in-unicorn deck.
0: Yeah, they're, they've got Karasu. He's bonkers enough as it is.
1: God, yes, he is. Yeah, he is. Kurosu is one of those personalities that I almost ran in my deck, uh, in my lion deck, just because he's so good in um, fact I probably would have run him if I wasn't afraid of dishonor.
0: Yeah, bat- battle battle straighten two guys. Yeah. Turns out doesn't stink.
1: Or battle swap out your be a little courtier and move Kachiko in.
0: There's so much that he could do. I think I think that the the fact that he could just be battle straight in two guys is what makes him feel super obnoxious because that really feels like that is not at all what this guy is supposed to be doing. <sighs> right? It feels like it's supposed to be one of those Switch them if they moved. Straighten their units, but you could just be like, "Oh no, I um, just straighten my two guys that you bowed." Wait, you can do that? That's pretty hideous. So he's a home battle. Target two personalities at any location controlled by the same player. Switch their locations. Straighten each of them that is not fallen or non-human. So, oh wow, Karasu is sitting at home at home, or or he could be at the battle target two of my guys that are at the current battle, switch their locations, which nothing happens, and then straighten each of them, unless they're you know, whatever. So it feels like, I was going to say it's one of those things where, well, if the card doesn't work like that then they aren't doing the rules right, because the card doesn't work like it's supposed to. Although I actually don't know that that's the case for this one, because I think that this is actually a card where somebody would look at and be like, I don't think... That's what it's supposed to do like right you look at that and you read that I'm like that can't be what he's supposed to do yeah. but he's it is a
1: very very good personality. I've heard that that set has some good personalities in it.
0: Yes, yes, it it does. Did you see uh Sirucci at all on the day cuz I I've seen him showing up on, a lot now in Crane
1: I think he's a good enough personality to pretend like he's your clan champion in a lot of factions. He kills a lot of stuff, and he will kill a ton of stuff. I mean, and the fact that he even like turns um, Tortoiseshell into like a tempo card because you announce his range attack, then they play Tortoiseshell, then you take no counters off. I mean, yes. it's yeah.
0: Yes, because welcome to Ivory.
1: He's very, very good. He's another one of those personalities that, that I'm like, hmm, I can see putting you in a lot of different decks. And similarly with Shalash, Shalash, Shakash, the snake.
0: You know, it's the Shakash. It's it's not actually one of these long, goofy names. It's two syllables, Randy.
1: Uh, it's a lot more
0: fun to pronounce in my way, I think,
1: so <laughs> I should keep doing that.
0: Yes, yes. I don't know if you looked at them. If you looked at any of my on the cheap articles for Ivory Lodge, yeah. like that guy, like, just put, you were playing Bushi League, which I guess, I guess my on the cheap articles are actually completely useless for Bushi League. Because, right, I think the, the Bushi League, how they ended up defining it, you can't use Coils of Madness at all. Oh, really? And I don't know if you can even use the fixed cards other than your clan holding, because they're like, well, clan champions get super swingy when you're really limited in. Yeah.
1: I mean, the Clan Champions are good, but one of the things I actually really like about all the Ivory Clan Champs is that it's not like they seal the deal themselves. You know, they're not like, hey, I'm the biggest, baddest dude. They're, they're really just solid, expensive support personalities, for the most part.
0: Yeah, yeah, The most of the Clan Champions feel like they're sort of, well, that guy's probably playable, I guess.
1: I know there are a lot of people that don't actually like the Lion one very much, but... I'm totally fine with her. I think the Phoenix dude that draws people cards is really really good. Crab Quesada is fine. I mean, most of those personalities they're 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 definitely playable. I cannot even remember what the what your what your bald dude does. So.
0: He lets you fiddle with the top of your deck, and he lets you use your ring twice a turn. Okay.
1: So he lets you fiddle for a card that lets you do the exact same thing? I don't know. He's... I don't think he's particularly great, but...
0: The thing that I like the least about him, I guess, is that he's obviously would be very handy for dueling, but I don't want to play him in a deck with Hijatsu-sensei. Yeah. Because Hijatsu-sensei drops my it's yep. family honor to four and Shakae is a nine and most of my guys are twos which means Shakae just sits there where I can't buy him for way too long
1: yeah oh yeah, no I, my it's rough for me to run three personalities in my deck that have an above box honor requirement and those guys are all within one three personal honor personality purchase yeah it's kind of it's kind of rough to have to proclaim multiple guys to get a clan champ out
0: yeah if you could proclaim one guy and get a personality out that's usually not a problem but yeah once you need the the two purchases and now they might be sitting there for too long but three is just right
1: out yeah oh yeah it's like when you're starting to buy personalities on turn three anyway so like what turn six turn five like that's gross Uh, yeah it
0: makes them a turn five purchase at the soonest right you You'd proclaim on turns three, four, and five, and then you'd finally have enough family honor to buy the guy. That's that's way too late for that to be the only possible time you could buy a guy. Just play with the Dark Naga.
1: Yeah. Or, um, what is it?
0: Bayushi Paneki. Crazy Eyes. Yeah,
1: crazy Eyes. Um, I think his name's Paneki. I'm oh, sorry, anymore. not Paneki <laughs> Natoshi. <laughs> yeah, Crazy Eyes Natoshi. He's crazy.
0: Yes, yes. Melee melee 6, not bad. Yeah. Kills
1: just about everything
0: that isn't a crab. Unique. (laughs) So yeah, it kills almost all of those, (laughs) too. But Fallen Duel...
1: I read the AG forums, and the AG forums tell me that Fallen Dueling is amazing, and that everyone runs Purge of Fudo.
0: Yes, I think that Results so far have shown Fallen Dueling to n- not be at all amazing. <laughs> and and they've shown that I don't know what portion of people run a copy of Purge of Fudo. One in five? One in ten? Something yeah,
1: like I, that? I don't think it's a good card. Yeah, I don't think it's a very good card.
0: Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. If I was a Spider player, I wouldn't like it either. Somebody suggested, well, would it would people like it if they just reprinted Doom cards for all the clans? And, I don't know, that actually might be okay. They yeah. wouldn't be playable unless a clan was really great, so there's actually a way in which cards like that can be very effective, because they are cards that are, for the most part, not playable. But, yeah. if for some reason some clan goes bonkers, that's when, all of a sudden, that can become playable. Like, right now, if there was some non-unique Doom of the Crane event (laughs) out there in the environment, hey, that's going to do a lot more to turn your Crane match up than being like, well, make sure you run your Ring of Earth and some turtle shells. Yeah. So as, as we are recording right now, which is hopefully not too long in the past from when you are listening to this, it is the evening of April 3rd. And as of right now... They have not yet announced what they are going to ban or issue a rata on for the Crane. I, I say have not yet because on the 31st, there was a we are keeping an eye on the Crane post. And if we do anything to them this week, then it won't take effect this weekend, but it will take effect next weekend. So they're basically pre-advising that if they ban or rata something, that instead of giving it 30 days, it's going to take effect after a week. Yeah. So it could be that they end up not doing anything, but I think that it's very likely that once they've made that post, they're going to do anything. Crane right now have won half of the Cote. They are making the cut in I unbelievable way They are actually, three weeks is not a full Cote season, so let's be very clear about that. They could do absolutely nothing to Crane, and it's entirely possible that they would slow down. But right now, if Crane were to continue for... Half of Koti season or Kote season at the same rate that they are now, it would be the most dominating performance by any clan ever in any extended play season. No other clan has ever done that well. There probably are situations where they, they
1: normally nerf whatever it is. I mean, when it's
0: yes, that that's one of the. There are probably are situations where it should have. For example, they printed Warrens of the One Tribe. It was pretty good. You know what would be a good idea? A stronghold that says you can play any number of all of these free strategies from any player's discard pile at any point in time ever. It's just like infinite card draw. Anyhow. Do you remember
1: that time that Magic banned a card for being too good? Let's make that always on for free in a game where everything's free. But yes. yeah, no, we don't need to pile on that poor beleaguered stronghold. Yes.
0: Yes, Yoggoth's Will, which at, at some points in tribe has been suggested by some players to be the most powerful magic card ever. It's pretty good, yeah. Which costs mana and lets you have that ability for one turn for your own discard pile. Yeah. yeah. Yes, anyhow, so that Kote season, which was 2005, saw Cole Wall and Warrens of the One Tribe, and so let's be clear, whatever the actual results are, I, I think we can look back and say that... That, I mean those individually cards were far more broken than any individual thing in in crane the I,
1: I think what I would say is that those like specific cards were just so good like if you look at what other clans had it was just
0: not anywhere oh no no they were they were ridiculous anyhow so we've got crane so I guess the first well let's let's not assume something do you think that something should be done about crane I mean I think that if you assume that Crane is going to continue on like it has so far, then, then clearly you obviously have to do something. But that maybe that's not a good assumption. What, what do you think about that?
1: Oh, so it's it's complicated, right? Because I think Lion is actually the real devil in the room. Like I, I I don't know. I think Lion is really the potential problem. But obviously Crane is doing very very well. I think they'll have to do something just out of just for just based on the perceptions. I mean, obviously it's doing absolutely amazingly, but I really think once they deal with it, I'm not sure I have a really eloquent answer on this. I think that they do need to do something. Mm. Yeah, I don't know that I have a good answer. Sorry.
0: No, 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 that's fine. When yeah, no. I, you mentioned Lion. I know Mike has opined that, that basically Lion will be... The- S- super great if Crane goes away. I, it would be interesting with the knock-ons. I mean, the next two strongest performing clans, I think, after Crane have actually not been Lion, even though mm-hmm. one might think that is, but like Scorpion has done very well going through Crane-infested Ilium rounds. In fact, that they've, that's one of the things that kind of slides under the radar. Crane have won half of Kote, of the Kote, mm-hmm. of the half that Crane didn't win. Scorpion won half of those. So, yeah. I, I haven't seen anybody suggest that, oh, if you eliminate Crane, Scorpion are going to rise to the top. I don't know if that's just because, you know, if you're... And if you think it's, oh, well, Crane is a really good match for Scorpion, therefore if Crane stops being dominating, that could actually hurt the Scorpion, or or maybe they'll just start feasting on Unicorn decks instead, except the Unicorn get to sleaze around them for a little bit at the start of the game.
1: I would like to say that I think paying attention to Unicorn is, is worthwhile. I think that they're a clan that has some very strong personalities, some very good uniques, and that, you know, as the environment develops, they might be a clan to watch out for. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I, I found it kind of interesting, amidst all the legitimate comments, pro crane, legitimate comments, entry Kane, there have been some level of, of histrionics about the crane stronghold giving you an extra gold, and, like, yeah. how could they possibly have printed a stronghold that gives you extra gold? That's the dumbest yeah. thing ever. I want to be like, there's yeah. another stronghold that just always produces five, right? Always. I mean, so...
1: And usually has a higher province strength than cranes, and has a move-in action. Like, okay. Yeah. And it, to me, a better personality base, actually, largely a better personality base.
0: Yeah, they definitely got solid stuff, too, and I I think that they will definitely be a beneficiary if crane goes away
1: i, I think L five r is kind of and, and i guess this probably feeds back into your question about um will they are will they deal with crane i think all five r players have this very high expectation of balance among all of the faction and i think that really strong clan loyalty makes people less happy with the game i think it's kind of a Really, double-edged sword that AEG has to deal with. That I mean, obviously, Last arc, If you played Crane and you were a loyal Crane player, how much like how much fun would you have necessarily at the at the tournaments?
0: The clan loyalty puts an immense burden on them.
1: Yeah, and if you look at other card games and what's popular and all that kind of stuff, it's 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 not like people are like. Ah, I can't play red. This is BS. If only they knew how to design red cards. I'm out. In in quite the same way that the L5R forums devolve into, but I'm, I'm sure, you know, other games' forums have similar problems. But yeah, no, I think it's very, very difficult to keep nine factions that have very different victory conditions, and even multiple victory conditions, and deck types in a single faction. To keep all of those balanced and playable, I mean, it's very, it's a tall order. And I think that L5R players don't really want to run a lot of meta, necessarily. I think you see an environment kind of like the End of Emperor, where you have a couple of options that are very, very good. You have Phoenix with their, you know, Shigenja, you have Mantis, and like, what else you have? Imperial? Stuff and players don't want to play that, even though those are three, you know, compelling factions that are like rock, paper, scissors. No, people, people didn't really want to play that. They wanted to play like, oh, I get to play my clan and have a shot, you know. And instead, it was here are your three options. And I think, I think if your options are crane and then lion that beats crane, and then other stuff that theoretically beats lion, mm, I, I'm not sure people are going to be super happy with a, with rock taking up 90% of the not 90%, that's hyperbole, but, you know, 80% of the Kote wins
0: or something. Well, 50, at least.
1: Oh, uh, well, like, for forget that.
0: <laughs> if you're sitting there and you're Reese and you feel that you have to do something about... Crane? and you're F- Yes, and you feel that you have to do something about Crane, what do you do, if anything? Or, or no, I mean no. I've, I've said you have
1: to do something. What are you doing? Can I dissolve the Spider Clan in any way? <laughs> Is there any way I can work that into this? Like,
0: yes, you can errata purge of Fudoism to also say Crane Clan, but still say Shadowlands.
1: Could could I? Do you remember the Scorpion Children?
0: Do you remember that card? I I remember the name of the card. I have no recollection of what it does. It
1: was awful. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember it. Lord only knows. It was like something about discarding cards, who knows. But basically it was like, oh look, the scorpion got kicked out of Rokugan because they're those rascals. We think they kidnapped Toturi. We don't have any proof, but we're going to kick him out of Rokugan. This is back when things actually happened to clans, and uh, I was wondering if something like that could happen, but they kick the spider out of Rokugan, and then the crane have to deal with all the spider babies. <laughs> and so instead of Akagi-sensei, it would be spider baby sensei, and it would basically just be, like, you have to deal with, like, these overly dramatic little emo kids. So, I think that'd probably take the right out of the crane. No, if if I had to say what I think will wind up happening to Crane, you could change Akagi sensei very easily to having, like, two... Any hit in personal honor on a sensei is huge, because it makes you go second more. You know what? If they were to just to take and make that sensei where it said you have minus one gold production and a blank stronghold, they could be done, I would think.
0: Yes, that is brutalizing it. Do you think just... As someone who runs a six gold sensei,
1: or it, not six gold, I'm making up things. As someone who runs a three gold box, it's not the end of the world. The, the problem with the sensei is that it works for Dishonor, too. And so you have to s- kill the head and the body falls high.
0: I am usually strongly, vastly prefer banning things to issuing power level errata on them. Yeah. I don't know if they can ban the Sensei, which is supposed to be one of your, like, three ways to play your deck. The problem with the Kage being, as has been amply discussed, it doesn't have a drawback and can be played in anything that's not an honor-holding producing deck. But the other thing is I've heard people say, oh, well, banning Akagi is not enough because Crane has really good decks that don't use it. Uh-huh. And I guess I feel like I could easily be on this. I feel like that's actually a reason in favor of being able to crush Akagi Sensei because you would actually leave Crane <laughs> with a decent deck. I, I don't think Crane Honor is something that would be so good... That it would be a problem. I mean, maybe I'm wrong and certainly other, some of those people who think I'm wrong, but I, I, think that leaving Crane Honor there would, would make sure that Crane would still have something to do. I really, I really hate feeling like they need to do something about a deck that feels like it's just a normal deck, but really good. Yeah. And so quickly, but the results are just so overwhelming so far.
1: You know, I think I'm inclined to agree with you. Like it's not like you're like, "Oh my gosh, that's so busted. That's cute, Nicoma." Oh my gosh, that's so busted. It's one the one tribe. It really isn't. It's just that they're just like half a step better than all the other clans. Um, and again, I think Lions really really good, blah blah blah, but it does seem like like to me the, I I am surprised that they are winning as much as they are is what I think I would say. You could make it where they would have to, okay, so get rid of the province strength boost and have it where they have to discard a card in order to move their guy home.
0: Yeah, I, I, don't, th- I don't think it's necessarily as important what the specific thing as they do to Akagi, is that it's, it's sort of, Akagi feels like the place that they have to go. Some people live upon that they should go after the box, I don't think you need to go after the box.
1: I think Soken and um, his unicorn counterpart at some point will be a problem.
0: I swear, though, if they do something to Sokin, they have to ban Yashinko too, or else I. Anyhow. You know,
1: she's not as as good, right?
0: Uh, She's better. Mm. She just is unique.
1: Yeah, but then you would have to play
0: Mantis. And yeah, and they overall haven't been doing as well. But anyhow, if you don't want to do Akagi because he's not covering all the crane, your only choices are Sokin, who still doesn't cover all the crane but it at least covers a lot of them and then or or the box which I don't think another reason why Akagi feels like the target if you want to do something is not only has Crane scouts by a substantial margin been their best deck but Akagi is the card that I at least look at and think that this was a badly designed card because he does not fit the same design paradigm as the rest of the sensei he's just massive upside with no drawback, and what? Uh,
1: I mean, theoretically, the drawback is that you have to play Crane, but their guys just aren't as bad as would need to be in order for that.
0: I mean, theoretically, the drawback is oh, you don't get half of your stronghold, but as has been amply discussed, it's you. but you play this in a guy that you weren't going to use that half of the stronghold ever anyway. You just get to use the other option on the stronghold.
1: And and actually, interestingly enough, when I was thinking about how I would build Crane, you could still use um, Secluded Shrine. You just have to hit it with your box first, and then you can gain the same one honor that everyone else gains. <laughs> Which I like Secluded Shrine, and I ran it in my line deck. But I also think Upheavals is a very good um, meta card in that slot.
0: Yeah, there's there's lots of solid options at the. I can fetch this with my Jade Pearl in slot. Deep Harbor also, not, not not a meta card, but not to be disregarded as well. So, yeah. Okay, well, I think that we are definitely late enough for us and more than long enough for the audience. So, yes, we'll go ahead and, and wrap it up here. Thanks for coming on, Randy. Thank you very much for having me. It was a lot of fun. It's a great show. Okay. Uh, you have been listening to Strange Assembly. You can check us out on the web at strangeassembly.com or subscribe to the Strange Assembly podcast on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at strangeassembly or visit us at facebook.com slash strangeassembly. If you've got any feedback, you can feel free to drop me a line, chris at strangeassembly.com. But until then, for Randy Slavin, I'm Chris Stevenson, and you've been listening to Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.